Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's up, guys? Week number 16, Bears, Cardinals in Soldier Field. We're in the home stretch. The last two home games for our beloved Chicago Bears this weekend and next weekend, the two holiday weekends. We, the Bears and the Cardinals playing on Christmas Eve. The Bears and the Falcons on New Year's Eve uh, next Sunday. And hopefully the uh, the Bears will uh, make this a very happy Christmas and New Year uh, for all us Bear fans by getting victories in these very, very winnable games. Uh, our good friend Joseph Como from the Cardinal Rule podcast will be joining us in a few moments to uh, preview uh, Bears and Cardinals. Uh, got lots of news and notes to share with you, including the bear uniform that will be worn this week. And no, spoiler alert, it is not those goddamn orange jerseys. So somebody up there still likes me. It's not going to ruin my holiday with those abominations. So all of that plus keys to the game. So let's go ahead and start it. This is the week 16 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. It's almost over, guys, and I'm not saying that in a good way, or I'm saying that in, in the bad way, that in a few weeks, the season will be over and there will be no more Bears for us to watch unless an absolute miracle takes place in the next three weeks. The biggest miracle of them all being the Bears winning all three of these games because two is as good as we've been able to do this season and we gloriously blew a chance to win a third one uh last Sunday against the uh Browns so uh uh you know it, it bothers me that the the theme for this season has been trust and the fact that I cannot trust the Bears to win I can usually trust them to disappoint and or hurt me um because any time that I have had hope and, and and trusted them to come away with a win, um, yeah, that is that has not gone my my direction. So, uh, yeah, they they've won the games I thought they would lose, and they've lost the games I thought they'd win. It just and, and uh, yeah, so I mean, it's it's just been a crazy up and down year uh, for our beloved Chicago Bears and for us as a fan base because we have not start arg- stopped arguing amongst ourselves the entire freaking season you know especially since it became pretty obvious that Carolina was going to gift us the number one pick uh with the way that their season has gone disastrously uh for them this year from firing their first year head coach and all the injuries they've sustained they've been going out there shorthanded all season long and uh you know ever since it became apparent that you know for a while there, the Bears held the number one and number two picks uh, in the uh, in the draft. So yeah, 
Well, we're at one in one in five, one in six right now. One in five, I believe, is where we sit uh, in the on the draft board uh, right now. So, I mean, and there's always that contingent. There are people out there right now that would like to see the Bears lose this game to the Cardinals so that we would improve our draft position. Uh, so, uh, yeah, to hell with that. I, I, I don't want that. We, 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 we've got the luxury of having Carolina uh, doing all the losing for us. I would like to see us win out, and I don't give a damn where that second pick is. Honestly, I don't. So, uh, And then when the offseason starts, the debate can really start about what we're going to do. And actually, it, more importantly, we can start to answer the question because I've, I've found it quite ludicrous um, how everybody is so sure one way or the other about which way polls and the Bears are going to go with the quarterback without knowing who our head coach is going to be next year. Because I, I'm not going to get into it. I'm just not. I just feel like it's, it's crazy to talk about and to be so sure who the Bears are going to take at number one, if we're even going to keep number one, if maybe we traded away to get an even bigger haul than we got for last year's number one and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's crazy to talk about it without knowing. And I know it's just conversation. Uh, and everything because a lot of people have been checked out on this season since we were one in five uh, and everything. I get it. But uh, yeah, to talk about what that's going to look like without knowing who the coach is going to be is, are we bringing Eberflus back because of the way he's turned the, uh, the defense around? We officially make Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator fire gets his ass and get a brand new OC. Is that a possibility? You know, there's so many ways this thing can go. And there's still three weeks left in the season. We have very, very faint playoff hopes. So let's cling to that for now. Let's root for our team to win. Let's root for Carolina to lose because that's okay. And then we'll see what it, where it all shakes out on Black Monday. So let's just do that. But anyway, let's go ahead and dive into news and notes and get the show kicked off here. Uh, starting with the, uh, let's just start with the injury report. Cause frankly, it's a little, uh, unsettling with the, uh, amount of names that are on the list right now. I think we had fewer names going into the Cleveland game and then we've acquired a few in the interim, you know, most notably, uh, Tevin Jenkins who left the game on Sunday with a concussion still has not practiced yet. Uh, this week on Wednesday or Thursday with that concussion. Uh, Deontay Foreman was out of practice today for personal reasons, so he's not unhealthy uh, or anything like that. Darnell Mooney was on Wednesday, but he's full participation. He was back in practice uh, today. Travis Homer, our fourth running back slash special teams guy, was limited today with a hamstring injury. He did not practice on Wednesday, so he's trending up. Same thing for defensive back Jalen Jones. Did not practice on Wednesday with a calf injury. Was limited today. Uh, someone who seems to be trending down, unfortunately, is Cole Komet, who was not on the injury report yesterday, but is on it today with a quad injury. So his name was added to the injury report. No one likes to see that. Hopefully it's nothing serious, just a little twinge, and he'll be fine with some some rest and rehabilitation before game time on Sunday. The obligatory Mercedes Lewis rest day is uh, today on Thursday. Noah Sewell, the rookie linebacker, again, that knee bothering him. 
has not practiced yet this week. Equinemia St. Brown with the pec injury that kept him out of the game against the Browns on Sunday has not practiced yet this week. And Demarcus Walker uh, was hampered with a shin injury, but he was out of practice yesterday, was full go today on Thursday. So, yeah, Darnell Mooney, Demarcus Walker, full go, return to practice uh, today. Everyone else is limited except for uh, Equinemia St. Brown and Noah Sewell, who did not practice. I'm not counting Foreman and Lewis for personal or rest reasons. Those those are names on the list that don't need to be there, in my opinion. So we've been listening to me bellyache about that all year long. So anyway, moving on to other news, uh, the uh, the Bears in uniform news, as I alluded to in the open, we'll be wearing the 1936 throwback uni. So we'll be doing our best uh, University of Michigan impression with the three orange stripes on the helmet, which means we'll also be wearing white tops with dark bottoms at home uh, on Sunday, which means we'll be uh, the Cardinals will be in the, I assume, the head-to-toe red uh, unis. Or top and bottom red. They don't have a red helmet, thank God. But um, so yeah, so we'll have those god awful, those long uh, pippy long stocking uh, orange and white socks. But uh, the rest of the uniform is pretty fire, uh, in my opinion. The our resident uniform snob that I am. So that's what we'll be donning on on Sunday. And I guess if the pattern holds, because the Bears never officially released the uniform schedule, at least not one that I've seen. But last year in our last home game, we wore all blues. We wore the the, the navy top with the navy bottom against the Vikings. Um, it was my first game home from the hospital last year, and I slept through most of it because I had a hell of a time sleeping in the hospital. So I was finally able to relax at home, put my feet up in my favorite chair and all that kind of stuff. And I just, you know, my sleep clock was completely jacked at the time, so where I was ready and, and raring to go when the game started, I just saw flashes of it here and there. And I didn't miss anything because the Bears got killed uh, in that one. And uh, But, uh, yeah, so that's what I I would assume if we're doing what we did last year, then the Bears are going to wear dark tops and dark bottoms on Sunday next week against the Falcons. Here's hoping that they don't and just wear the regular home unis, but – this is what they did last year, so we'll see what happens. Anywho, um, Jalen Johnson seems to be changing his tune uh, about leaving uh, Chicago, uh, making it sound like it's uh, he really doesn't want to, whereas before, when, before the trade deadline, when he was allowed to test the market and see about getting a uh, trade and everything, it just sounded like a matter of time that Jalen Johnson was not going to be in a bare uniform as soon as the season was over. He's a free agent. He was going to test the market. Right now, it seems to be that Jalen Johnson's focus is that once the season is over, he wants to take full advantage of that bargaining period between the end of the season and the start of free agent to close a deal with the Bears. And, uh, you know, saying things like, I can't imagine uh, being somewhere else, or actually what it was saying is that I can't imagine finding what we have here with some we're, you know with somewhere else this feeling that things are are building and we're building something special uh in Chicago 
and um, you know he really doesn't want to go. And I I am I absolutely believe him. And you know, get a few more interceptions before now and the end of the season. Don't miss these plays because you know it's like I hate to keep beating a dead horse here, but it's not so much that he's not making the plays; it's what what happens after he doesn't make the plays is what makes those moments stick out the way that they do. You know, the pick six in Detroit, the pick six that he dropped in Minnesota when that probably could have made that an easy game for the Bears instead of the nail-biting, you know, uh, finish that it was. And then, of course, last week with the Browns, he drops that that interception from Flacco on the very next play. Flacco hits, uh, I think, Cooper for 42 yards, and that's what, you know, they ended up uh, scoring a touchdown uh, off of that drive. But he intercepts that ball, none of that happens. So it, it's it's really so much not the plays that he's not making, it's what happens after he doesn't make the plays to make you really regret him not being able to come down with that ball or dropping the interception or whatever the the case may be, you know. But, I mean, I've always said, I mean, and maybe I'm, you know, some of you guys think I'm maybe talking out of both sides of my mouth here. I want him to stay. I don't want Jalen Johnson going anywhere. I don't want Jalen Johnson, you know, I don't want losing him to come back and bite us. And not to mention, I don't want that message to even be, you know, uh, uttered, you know, or anything like that, thinking that, you know, all your hard work isn't going to be recognized by the team. They'll just ship you out and bring in the younger, cheaper version uh, via the draft, you know, some cheap veteran or an even cheaper rookie uh, instead of paying their own guys. I don't want that, uh, you know, to be something that the locker room starts to think because we keep letting these guys go, like Roquan and, and the homegrown talent, uh, if you will. So, and even though Jalen Johnson isn't one of Ryan Poles' guys, he's fully entrenched. He's one of the best corners in the league. And, um, you know, he, the, the only thing keeping me from paying him the absolute top dollar or pounding the table saying give it to him is the fact that in those moments, he comes up short. And it's not like he's giving up big plays and letting it get by him. It's that when he doesn't make the play, that makes us vulnerable to a big play being made on the heels of it. Like the the the, the offense, our opposing offense is relieved that uh, they got away with that mistake and they're going to make us pay uh, for not making them pay for it. So, but, uh, you know, so it sounds like he's changing his tune, which is a good thing. So maybe he'd be more of a, more in line to do a hometown discount kind of thing. I doubt it, but... Why not? And uh, sees that, uh, you know, Jalen might be wearing the 33 uh, in Chicago for a little bit longer. Knock on wood. But who will his head coach be? Here's a couple of uh, ex- of uh, possibilities. Number one, uh, one of the hot names that was talked about for a while and still gets mentioned whenever the conversation comes up. Offensive coordinator for the Lions, Ben Johnson. Uh, definitely a, a candidate, especially with what he's done uh, with Jared Goff at his time uh, in Detroit, what he's done with that offense and in his time as the play caller because he took over, I think, in the back end of, of 2020 where they, they won a few games after starting 0-10-1. They won a couple of games to finish out the year, got off to that slow start, and then, you know, as everybody knows, went on that, that run, that 8-2 and run at the end of the season and almost made the playoffs last year. And then this year they hit the ground running. Uh, on offense with Montgomery being added, Sam Laporta uh, and everything they've, you know, and they really do 
run a fresh offense. You don't really see them coming, you know, the way that Getze does and how predictable the Bears can be uh, sometimes. But this guy wants to be paid like he's Belichick or Sean Payton or somebody who's won championships already. He wants $15 million a season. Which basically says to me, he's probably going to stay in Detroit unless somebody is absolutely desperate. Or unless the uh, the Lions win the goddamn Super Bowl. That's, I mean, that's the only way that all of a sudden becomes a legitimate asking price. For someone with barely two years of experience as a play caller, who's just the hot hand right now, to want that kind of money to be the head coach, I... Uh, oof. I mean, I think that definitely prices him out of the Bears, for sure. I don't think that, uh, you know, anybody's going to give him that much. But this other guy, that might be somebody the Bears might entertain giving a, a very large contract to, and that's Mike Tomlin, head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's been head coach of the Steelers since 2007. Uh, they've won a Super Bowl. They've been to another. They were constantly, over the years, Always in contention, winning division titles, going to the playoffs, going to the AFC championship game uh, and everything. And, you know, has not had a losing season in 15, 16 seasons in Pittsburgh. Currently 7-7 seven and seven with three games to play, so he's still got a chance to make that. He has to win two of his last three to, uh, to have another winning season. Because with uh, 17 games, there's no... He's, I think he's finished 8-8 eight and eight a couple of times, so he's had no losing seasons. He's had, I think, one or two non-winning seasons, but he hasn't had a losing season yet uh, in Pittsburgh. Players love him. They would run through a brick wall for him, but it's starting to look like his time in Pittsburgh is finally coming to an end. But Tomlin was one of the youngest head coaches in the league when the Steelers hired him back in, in 07, so he's not an old man by any stretch of the imagination. Even though he's been there for 15, 16 seasons, he's not Bill Belichick, who's in his mid-70s right now. I think Mike Tomlin might be in his early 50s. Um, so this is a guy that's still got a lot of coaching left to do, and it might be just a change of scenery that he needs. And if he becomes available, the Bears need to talk to him. I don't give a damn that he's or that he was a defensive-minded uh, head coach when they had been you know when when uh you know he's he's always been except for Matt Canada who's been a disaster for them but not only was Matt Canada a disaster they're not really you know doing well in, in picking their players uh as of late that's something that they've struggled with uh, over the last few years same thing with uh with New England you know they just uh have not had a good good luck in the in the draft over the last several years so they haven't been able to um, you know, have the same continuity uh, with success that they have in the uh, in the past. And despite all that, the Steelers are seven seven with uh, three games left to go uh, in the season. They still have an outside shot at making the playoffs again this year. So, yeah, we'll just have to see how it goes uh, with Tomlin. And, you know, it's like it doesn't matter that he's not a uh, offensive minded head coach. This guy is a coach, and and talk about somebody that could get the team on the right path and that, uh, you know, is definitely like a player's kind of coach, kind of guy, somebody who demands uh, respect and everything, somebody who comes in with a proven reputation. That's definitely something that the Bears could use for 
sure. So I would be all about the Bears hiring Mike Tomlin, and Tomlin can go out there and find us a a good. I mean, Tomlin might also be the kind of guy that could bring that could convince Eric Bieniemy to come to Chicago and be the offensive coordinator. Wouldn't that be something to have our cake and eat it too? So yeah, so I mean, I would definitely uh, that would definitely be interesting because Eric Bieniemy is going to be looking for a job in a few weeks uh, when uh, the commander season finally comes to a close. But Ben Johnson wants 15 mil. That uh, I think prices him out of the Bears market. But if Mike Tomlin wants 15 mil, might want to write that check because he's one of the best for sure. He's a future uh, Hall of Famer for all that he's done in Pittsburgh. He's only won one championship, but he's he's had nothing but success, and he, they've always had a shot. You know, being in the, the worst thing that's happened to the Pittsburgh Steelers over the last 16 years is that they've been in the AFC. With the uh, with the Patriots, with the Broncos, with the Ravens, and you know, and everything, and, and that murderer's row that is the AFC. If Mike Tomlin could come over to the NFC, where it's the Wild West every single year. <laughs> maybe, maybe he might have a few more Super Bowl rings on his fingers before he calls it a day uh, in the future. So, just something to keep in mind. And then finally, Micah Parsons has a. Uh, a podcast that he does. I have no idea what it's called, but I saw a video today that said that Micah Parsons himself said uh, he believes the Bears will be, and I quote, a legitimate playoff team in 2024, dot, 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 with Justin Fields. (laughs) So, you know, you guys know that I'm a Justin Fields guy and that I want him back uh, next season that I want him to stay our, our quarterback, that I want to get him an offensive coordinator that's actually going to design the offense around him so that he can do all that he does. And, um, yeah, I, I want somebody who's going to turn Justin Fields loose. We haven't seen that guy yet. Matt Nagy didn't do it. Lou Getzey's trying to turn Fields into Aaron Rodgers, which is not working. And, you know, it only ever seems to work when, when Fields is, goes off script and does his own thing. So, but Parsons thinks that uh, the Bears uh, continue to build the the talent around Justin Fields in 2024. We will be, and I quote, a legitimate playoff team in 2024. So, from his lips to God's ears, let's hope that he's right about all of it. About us being a playoff team, about us building around Justin Fields, and us being legit next season. So, that would be nice, because God knows it's been long enough. So, Anyway, guys, that is going to do it for our news and notes. Let's go ahead and bring in our guest, Joseph Como, from the Cardinal Rule podcast to help us preview Week 16, Bears-Cardinals. Week number 16, you know, when I was a kid, week 16 was the end uh, of the season. But nowadays, with a 17th game and bye weeks, we still got a couple weeks left to go after this. But week 16 brings the Arizona Cardinals to Soldier Field to take on our beloved Chicago Bears. And you need to help us preview uh, this matchup between these two awesome franchises. Uh, the, actually, the two Chicago uh, franchises originally. From the Cardinal Rule, it's Joseph Como. Joe, welcome back, man. 
Hey, thanks for having me, man. You know, we talked back, I think it was in May, kind of, you know, looking ahead at the beginning of the season and a lot has happened. Uh, Not a lot good has happened, but a lot has happened. And uh, there's a game going on. Yeah, uh, it's happening as it is. Yeah, Yeah. and it's it's happening in the late window. So, uh, you know, that uh, I think the NFL did that on purpose because it's going to be piggybacking with a much more important game therefore only like the chicago and arizona markets will have to watch it um but it'll be an option uh for those of you who want to ruin your your christmas eve uh with some really interesting football and i think interesting was a kind word but uh yes so but let's talk about your your cardinals here joe when we talked back in may you weren't optimistic as to what the season would look like because your new head coach your new general manager had kind of set up things for this is our take the lumps year and then 2024 with our two first round picks because you still own the Texans first round pick maybe got some salary cap space that's when you're really going to expect some kind of a jump maybe not to the playoffs or anything but you're going to be able to make the move and uh, but 2023 is the the year we take all of our lumps especially since we don't get Kyler Murray back for the first what 10 weeks of the season yeah. or whatever it ended up being yeah, for sure. And, and you know, it played out a lot like I thought, right? They, they played a lot of the rookies. You know, this is the first year of that rebuild, so they kind of reset the roster, bring in a few, you know, veterans like Kaiser White and Yelda Froholt, who are kind of key position center, Mike Linebacker, who can help install the systems. But they're playing a lot of the rookies. Guys like Dante still six-round pick, playing significant number of snaps on defensive line. Um, you know, Garrett Williams, a cornerback who they got in the third round, who was injured, you know, coming out of the draft. That's why he slid. But once he was healthy, they started playing him. Um, you know, other guys, Paris Johnson Jr. has started every game a right tackle. So, uh, BJ Ojolari, you know, hasn't been starting, but he's been getting – 30, 20, 30 snaps a game, you know, rotational pass rusher. So it it really played out a lot like I thought it would. You know, Michael Wilson, when he's been healthy, he's been played. They're playing the young players. They're trying to get the system installed. They're playing hard. The wins aren't there because the, the personnel is either too young or just not good enough yet. Right. Um, Kyler Murray, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that more. You know, his his performance hasn't been great since he's been back, but there's some things I've seen that suggest that it's more about the process of acclimating to the new offense than it is trying to put up points and, and you know, run around the yard right away. So, yeah, it, it, it's been that reset year like I thought it would be. Um, but you're right. They have plenty of cap space next year. You mentioned the two first round picks, but that's not the only draft capital that they have in, in you know, in, in surplus, they have multiple picks on the first two days. I think, it, I think they have like six picks in the first 100, something like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a really nice bit of draft capital to have. And then when you look at what Monty Austin Fort did in this draft, and I mentioned all those players that are playing and some of them are, are, are performing pretty nicely. It, it it really looks like he did a good job with this draft. So there's a lot of optimism about what he'll do with that draft capital in the 2024 draft. Yeah. Cause then you get uh, an extra pick from, I know you got a, like a one and a three from Houston. Did you get an extra, didn't you get like a second or something? Cause you made a trade with Detroit or was that trading up? Yeah, no, I think and, and boy, it, it escapes me. I, my, my recollection is we have two ones, a second, a couple thirds, uh-huh. um, and 
probably a cup. I think an extra pick somewhere on day three as well. Okay. But uh, so let's talk about the the season because you know I I was expecting especially with the uh, the trade for Josh Dobbs literally five minutes before the first game started and he's your starting quarterback uh, on top of it. I'm like, okay, well, it's clear that Arizona is going to tank this season and it starts on Sunday against Washington. And then you guys are winning like 16 to 10 going into the fourth quarter. And, you know, Sam Howell and the commanders have to make this epic comeback to win there. Fast forward a week later, you're up big on the giants before they have this crazy fourth quarter to come back and win there. Then you guys mess around and beat the Cowboys in week three. I'm like, wait a minute. Aren't the Cardinals supposed to be tanking? They've been fighting everybody tooth and nail these first three weeks. I thought they were just going to roll over and wait for 2024 to come. Yeah, and, you know, tanking, I, I, so I've got kind of a, a bone to pick with the whole idea of tanking in the NFL. Sure. Like, you know, in the NBA, you see it, you know, Teams literally will rest players to try to get more, you know, lottery balls, you know, in the lottery. Um, but the way with the NFL, it's kind of tricky. And it's, I think there's some nuance there because I don't think NFL teams literally tank for the sake of higher draft picks per se. Mm-hmm. I think there's a rebuild process. You don't want to be in purgatory in the NFL. You want to either be really bad clear the decks and rebuild, or you want to be good. You don't want to be in that middle ground, but like when you're rebuilding, it's much more about, you have to kind of reset the roster, clear those big contracts, get rid of aging vets who are not part of the future. And because the, the rookie contracts are such an important part of, you know, maximizing your salary cap space teams, when they are facing a rebuild, they clear the decks they bring in rookies, they play them, they draft premium position players and play them. So your most important positions are often younger players. They get rid of the guys like DeAndre Hopkins, right? And they don't go spending big money in free agency, not because they're trying to tank, but because that's not how you win, yeah. right? You, you supplement your roster. So like a rebuild process looks like tanking to someone who's playing checkers, mm-hmm. but people in the the NFL who are playing chess, who understand how you build a roster. It's a larger process. The players are going to try to win. Now there is a side benefit that you get better draft capital. You end up quote unquote tanking, at least in terms of the outcome, but players, coaches and GMs want to win. They want to win as much as they can. And as soon as they can, they're not, you know, you look at Houston, you could make an argument that they, of any team, a new head coach, new quarterback, you've got time. Sure. Tank, just whatever. No, they're trying to win right Yeah. now. So that, so I, I just kind of scoff at this idea of quote unquote tanking because that's the express purpose of resetting the roster is not, Oh, let's get the number one pick. It's we need to clear the decks. We need to play young players. We need to build through the draft. It ends up resulting in the tanking outcome, but that's not the, that's not the primary objective. And so they're doing what they, what they set out to do, which reset the roster, play young players. And they're, they're, you know, like you talked about, they were competitive in games. They just didn't have the, they didn't have the horses to run with the other teams. They didn't have the personnel, but they had the effort and, and, you know, and they have some, they have some players, young players are inconsistent, right? That's the, one of the biggest difference between young players and veterans, right? Is good young players aren't consistent. Then they get 
a few more years in the league and they hit their prime and they're more consistent, right? And that's what makes them that much better. So when you have young players, some of your best players, young players, you're going to at points look good and at points look bad. It's going to be inconsistent. Um, So yeah, they're trying to win, but their wins aren't going to be there because they're so young and because the roster needs a lot more talent. Yeah, and then after, you know, the upset of the uh, Cowboys, which was where the Cowboys' spiral on the road kind of began because they're an undefeated juggernaut 7-0 and at home in the Jerry Dome, but they're a 3-4 and team on the road uh, this year. So, I mean, and that began uh, in Arizona as far as their woes on the road would begin. The following week you go to San Francisco, you, you're fighting with them up until the fourth quarter, and then... Christian McCaffrey scores like three touchdowns in the final frame to get the win there. And then you get a healthy Joe Burrow. He, he comes in and, and uh, you, you know, beats you guys. You drop uh, two to the, the Rams and the Seahawks. Then you have this, this game out of nowhere where you're teeth, tooth and nail with the Ravens uh, of all teams. It was like where, where the, when and where you guys would choose to show up and make a football game out of it after – because you kind of had that slump there for those four weeks. Then it's like, oh, my God, this game with the Ravens is in doubt right up until the very end. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that's, you know, <laughs> Dobbs doing Dobbs things, right? You know, he he comes in and he he's th- – there was a great quote uh, on, on Twitter um, – that that Dobbs is uh, the one quarter. He it was Eric Eager, if I'm remembering correctly, who uh, uh, with Sumer Sports, formerly a PFF. He talked about with Dobbs with 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 uh, the Vikings, and he's you know he said you you start Dobbs because he's the only quarterback on your team who can be all to every team in the NFL, including your own, right? You yeah. know, so he can, he can have a game where he can beat the other, help you beat the other team, but he can also lose the game for you. Um, so, you know, yeah. And, you know, that was also a really big game for McBride, right? He had 95 yards, you know, one of his kind of uh, breakout games, you know, where he's emerged uh, this year. So again, it, it's, it's that, that inconsistency that they, they're going to have some games where they be based on effort and young talent, having good games they are going to play better. And they're going to have other games like the one that followed that that yeah. you're probably going to talk about in a second, that was far worse. Yes. Uh, they trade Josh Dobbs to the, uh, Vikings, uh, putting him on his fourth team in a calendar year. They start Clayton Toon against the Browns, and the Browns ate his lunch all day long. It was the last game. Uh, it was kind of like that buffer game between Josh Dobbs and Kyler Murray, and unfortunately Clayton Toon was just victimized by the uh, Browns in that one. 27 nothing was the, the final there, and then – you know, you, you come in the following week. It's Kyler Murray's first start in almost a calendar year. Here come the Atlanta Falcons, who are fighting for first place in the NFC South. But, uh, oh, yeah, the, you know, Kyler Murray's back, so he's got some magic, and he's going to lead you on a game-winning drive at the end to kind of beat the Falcons out of nowhere. Yeah, you know, and I was on with some Falcons uh, podcasters talking about that game, and, you know, they they felt like, hey, you know, we got to take care of the Cardinals. Cardinals are a team you got to beat, and – you know, I, 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 going into that was like, you know, realistic. Hey, Cardinals are, have not been a good team this year, but don't count them out, right? Kyler yeah. Murray's back. Kyler, we've seen what Kyler Murray can do. Um, and, you know, he had one of his better games, probably his best game uh, up until the Pittsburgh game, really, of his, since he's been back. Um, and McBride, another huge game from him, 131 yards. 
and you know the Falcons, you know they have their quarterback issues. So you know they're they're a team in a in a really bad division. Yeah. Uh, that that I think the fact that they were even trying to contend for the you know for their division is more about the division than their team. Oh. You know they've got some nice pieces. Offensive 100%. line is one of the betters in the league. But the you, when you don't have a quarterback. <laughs> And they don't have a quarterback, so yeah, that that was that was a nice game for the Cardinals. Uh, and then we followed up with a, a team that uh, you know we we uh, are hoping would go on a losing streak. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Well, that that following game was a game against the Texans, another nail biter. Uh, mm-hmm. The Texans had to come on late to win that one. Then you have the uh, the rematch with the Rams that didn't go well, thirty-seven to fourteen there. And then explain this game. To me, you go yeah. into Pittsburgh, two and ten, just before you finally get your Week fourteen by, and there are rain delays, lightning delays, the whole nine yards. But in the end, the Cardinals win rather easily, twenty four to ten. What what happened in that game? Because not only did you win, but you won by a couple of scores, and and uh, you know against a team that at the time was in the playoffs if the season ended that day. Yeah, I you know Kyler Murray. That was from at least a, uh, from his PFF grades. That was his most efficient game. He graded at a seventy nine point two overall, seventy seven point four passing. So you know he had a really efficient game. So and you know James Conner certainly you know he had a, a nice game. Uh, you know, with 105 yards, McBride, another good game. So the offensive side to me wasn't terribly surprising because there are good players including Kyler Murray, who are, again, just, you know, just trying to find their footing a little bit. But, and, you know, and the team's been able to put up points, and we'll, we'll talk about that also with the San Francisco game. It's the defense that was surprising to me because this defense has been the worst in the NFL statistically. Um, they, they have a lot of effort. They just don't have, you know, the talent right now uh, to do it. Uh, you could look at the Pittsburgh quarterback issues being part of it. You know, how oh, much sure. of that was self-inflicted that Pittsburgh, you know, <laughs> does this say more about Pittsburgh's quarterback than it does about the Cardinals defense? Um, but I was surprised by that because, you know, I have a lot of respect for Mike Tomlin, one of the best coaches in the NFL. I think everyone at this point knows he's never had a losing record. And when you look at some of the quarterbacks, he's <laughs> plays he's had to work with lately. That's really impressive of late. We'll see if he manages to pull that off, uh, you know, hold, hold out this year. Uh, but yeah, it was a defensive side that was surprising to me on that one. Yeah, that was, uh, I mean, and, and at the same time, it wasn't that surprising considering that the Steelers, despite their record have been horrible on offense all season long to the point, like they were one of what, two or three teams that's fired their defense offensive coordinator in season. Uh, you know, finally getting rid of Matt Canada, who was like the most hated man in Pittsburgh, uh, to begin with. And they, they had this really great game, I think, the week before against Cincinnati. They had 400-plus yards of, of offense, and then they run headlong into you guys. The offense can do nothing. I think that was the game Kenny Pickett got hurt, so he gets sent out. Mitch Trubisky, our old QB, comes in and does Mitch Trubisky things and uh, and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And in the end, it's like, oh, man, the Steelers are in trouble. And, you know, I've been kind of doing an NFL show on the side as well, and it's like with the way that they've been playing, especially on offense, I don't want to see the Steelers in the playoffs because then you're just going to watch them get massacred by somebody in the wild card round, and I don't want to watch that. So that's why I'm rooting for the Bills and the Bengals and things like that to get into the into the playoffs and, and let the Steelers uh, fall behind uh, and everything. But speaking of Tomlin, 
He's only got to win one game to guarantee yet another non-losing, uh, a winning season. Actually, if he if he gets the one, or two more wins, he's got to win two because he's he's got uh, he's seven and seven, not eight and six. So yes, but, yes. But uh, you know, and then after the bye week, you guys play the 49ers, and the 49ers have been absolute savages since they came back from uh, from their bye week. When they they went into the bye with a three game losing streak, um, including. Yesterday or, or Sunday, I should say, uh, they're on a six-game winning streak now, and uh, clinched the NFC West after beating you guys uh, on Sunday. Yeah, and you know this this game was was kind of a mixed bag. I mean, defensively, it, it was horrendous for the Cardinals. So they, they just, and you know, if you look at the PFF grades, and and I do a, I do a live stream every week looking at the PFF grades and kind of digging into those. The secondary just was atrocious in terms of their performance. They got torched. Um, you know, Christian McCaffrey, certainly we know what he does, but just across the board, the, and the defense hasn't been able to get, Cardinals defense hasn't been able to get sacks lately. Um, so the defense really struggled. It was just a really bad performance. But the offense, now Kyler Murray, you know, had the two interceptions, one for a pick six. So he had an off game. He, in fact, he had four turnover-worthy throws per PFF which was twice as many as he's had so far in all of his other games combined. Mm. Um, and, and his PFF grade passing grade was his lowest since he's been back. So Murray was not great, but Connor and the rest of the running game was, was good. They put up to over 200 yards. Uh, once again, McBride, 102 yards. Um, but what's, I think also noteworthy, someone in my discord channel pointed this out. Um, the Cardinals put up 29 points on the 49ers. Only the Bengals have put up more on them this year with 31. So for as bad as the game was, there's a little bit of a silver lining. Now I get that some of that was that garbage time touchdown, but still, you know, you put up 29 points against the team that to me at this point is the class of the NFC. And at this point, I don't know a team that I would say I favor over them to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, Mahomes, if he gets there, might do Mahomes things and you just can never count him out, obviously. Uh, but right now, is anyone looking better in all facets than the 49ers? The, the, the issue under Shanahan is they've never had consistent, healthy quarterback play. Yeah. And now they've got consistent, healthy quarterback play. That's scary. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they, they, uh, I mean, I was, I was wondering about them on that three game, uh, losing streak because each loss in that streak was worse than the one before it. You know, they, they lost that game against the, uh, against the Browns. They missed a field goal at the end of the game. They should have won that game. Fast forward to that Monday night game against uh, Minnesota. McCaffrey fumbles the football. Uh, Purdy's throwing interceptions at the end of the game. They kind of beat themselves in that one. And then the third and final game, that Bengals game you alluded to, they just got flat out beat by the Bengals in that one, in in their home stadium on top of it uh, as well. So going into the bye, you're like, man, are the 49ers done? Have they been figured out? Because Purdy's turning over the ball like I think he threw like three picks, turned the ball over four times uh, against the Bengals. You know, have the has the rest of the NFL caught up to what they were doing in those first five weeks when they were destroying everybody? And then they come out, they beat, they they destroy Jacksonville, and then they've been off to the races uh, ever since. And you know, winning forty five to twenty nine against you guys uh, this past Sunday. They look downright terrifying at this point. I mean, they they beat the crap out of the Eagles, who were ten and one, you know, going into that game, which sent them on a three game skid because you know, they've done nothing but lose since then. 
uh, as well. So I picked the 49ers as my Super Bowl team in the preseason, but I didn't know that they would be absolutely just laying people flat uh, throughout the uh, throughout the year. I thought they were the best team coming in, especially if Purdy was going to be healthy and ready to go. But I didn't know it was going to look like this. I didn't know they were going to make it easy on me. Yeah, that's that's again, that's always been the question for me under the Shanahan era. Like he he gets good play out of mediocre or bad quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, look at the like guys like Nick Mullins. That what the play he's got out of them has been serviceable. So he does a good job with them, and and certainly there are people who've argued that Purdy, um, how much of it is a product of the system. So you know, I, I think the reality is somewhere in the middle is that Brock Purdy is better than the other quarterbacks he's had. His his pure talent isn't necessarily elite elite, but he's good. Yeah. And in the system, the result is elite. And you know this again, the best quarterback play he's had, maybe the best quarterback he's had, certainly the best ability to play and stay healthy. Um, so yeah, it is a scary team when they finally have figured that quarterback situation. It only took them how many years has he been there? Five six years Something to figure like out. That. Yeah. Yeah. To figure out his quarterback situation, yeah. but uh. Yeah, it's been a handful of years and then some. So, yeah, but I mean, you know, the so the Cardinals are coming in on on Sunday. Uh, Kyler Murray is 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 coming in, and this is a I don't know, man. It's it's an interesting game. I didn't think it would have any stakes whatsoever, but uh, you know, I'd say definitely the Bears want to win to keep you guys away from the number one pick uh, and everything because. Carolina decided to actually win a game this past Sunday, which which narrowed the gap from two games to one uh, between the the Cardinals and the uh, the Panthers there for the number one overall pick. Um, number one, two questions. One, who do you want the Cardinals to take if you're still at two? And what is the consensus as for like you know what what do Cardinal fans? Which way do they want the Cardinals to go? Say the season ends today, you got the number two pick. So, you know, earlier in the season, there was still a big contingent of folks who wanted the court, you know, wanted to go quarterback, right? Sure. If they were early and that ship seems to have sailed. there's still a few people who are there, but you know, how much of that has to do with Kyler Murray being back versus how much of that has to do with, you know, the poor play, you know, of the presumptive number one overall quarterback in the draft. Uh, you know, that's a whole other conversation, but right now, we're, and I'll start with the, the answering where the Cardinals fan base is overwhelmingly it's Marvin Harrison Jr. Sure. Um, that's that's where the consensus is. There are a few people who want them to go with one of the tackles early. Um, I there is no one I'm taking ahead of Marvin Harrison Jr. Right. That that's my position. Now there's a caveat to that. And not every, I, I took a little I, heat would be the wrong word, but people disagreed with me on Twitter when I tweeted out about this. I see other paths that involve trading back and going in a different direction, you know, trading that pick and going, you know, with uh, one of the other big receivers and getting a couple extra players, you know, and and to help shore up the defense and and such. Um, So there are other paths I could be happy with that I think could be good paths because there are other good receivers in the draft, but, um, Marvin Harrison Jr. for me is the player I'm taking ahead of anyone else. So if we're sticking and picking, it's it's MHJ. Sure. And I, too, feel that way um, mm-hmm. because I'm a Justin Fields guy. Uh, I'm not the guy that's pounding the table for Caleb Williams or um, 
May. May. Derek May. Uh, Drake May, excuse me. Yeah, and, sure. uh, you know, or even the Heisman winner, you know, if I'm sure his draft stock has improved since winning uh, the trophy uh, as well. It's like, I'm not trying to hear any of that. It's like, I want to keep building around Justin Fields. We need a brand new offensive coordinator because the guy that's calling our plays is trying to make Justin Fields into Aaron Rodgers, and that's not who he is. You know, he's a, he's a Lamar Jackson, you know, Kyler Murray type guy who who can create with his legs just as well as with his arm. He can throw the football out of the stadium because Murray's got a ball, you know, a, a great arm on him and everything. And it just, we need someone who's going to run the offense or put an offense in front of Justin Fields that suits Justin Fields instead of trying to make him something that he's not. And, you know, I, for me, I'm, I'm like, I'm sure you've seen that movie draft day with uh Costner where it was Marlon Mack, no matter what. And it's like, well, it's uh it's Marvin Harrison Jr. No matter what, it's like if if we got to stick and pick at number one, then 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 he'll be the first number one overall pick since Keyshawn Johnson back in '96. If it's up to me, so hmm. I I mean I would you know I'm I just I can't we we can't pass him up, and I know that you guys are probably take him at two, which means we got to take him at one. So. so- so let me ask you, uh, that's, that's your position yeah. from your read of the, the, uh, you know, the bears fan base is that the consensus no, that they believe in not. fields. Okay. Well, the funny thing is they put out not they, but, uh, there was a viral video that went, not so much viral, but a video that went out last week where they were asking tailgating bears fans who they wanted the bears to draft with the number one pick. And it was unanimous. It was Marvin Harrison junior there was nobody who was like hey Caleb Williams you know or or anything like that. there was no talk of quarterbacks uh, or anything like that number one overall pick Marvin Harrison come be with DJ Moore come and help out Justin Fields uh that kind of thing but the uh, Bears Twitter is mm. extremely divided it's okay. extremely divided it's it's very divided in the continue building around uh Justin Fields and go get Marvin Harrison Junior, right now, I think our other pick is five. We want to use that on like a Brock Bowers uh, or somebody like that. We really blow up the offense with Bowers and Komet, and then you've got DJ Moore, and there won't be enough footballs to go around to all the talent we'll have on the offensive side uh, and everything. And then there's the, you know, people trade that number one, trade the number one pick, keep building around fields, which means we miss out on the quarterbacks and Marvin Harrison Jr. And the last thing I want to do is pass on on Marvin Harrison and then watch him become the next Calvin Johnson, which is every, what, what people say about him to begin with It's like, I, I don't want to see that happen. So uh, I would much rather go with, with Marvin Harrison and then at five, either pick the, the best pass rusher or uh, the best overall player, whoever Ryan Poles thinks that is, he's been pretty good about that so far. So that's the, the track that I would like to take uh, as well. But it's like knowing that as soon as you at number two are going to take him, or is it is New England two, or is or are you guys two? New England's two at this point. Okay, so <clears throat> they're not taking Marvin Harrison Jr. They're taking whichever quarterback doesn't go at one uh, at this point. So yeah, it, it, it would it, it would have to be that. Like I can totally see polls trading that pick away and re you know getting multiples because I'm sure that the price that was paid last year would be heavier than uh, or it will be heavier this year than it was last year. He'll get more out of whoever's trading. Uh, this season, but I would much rather take Harrison because I know he's not going to be there at five when we're picking again. No, that makes sense. I think you're going to, you know, uh, 
you're going to have to get him at one or two most likely. Yeah. I, I, I mean, if, if the Cardinals don't take him, they're trading out for someone who is taking him. I mean, he's going. It seems to me, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Likely, he's going at three. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, and then where you guys at in the what, like seventeen, eighteen, something like that for the other something. Pick? Right now, yeah, you know, it's somewhere between fifteen and there. It depends on you know the 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 way the wind is blowing, you know, yeah. on the particular moment uh, where where Houston's at. So you know, being that they're kind of on that on the on the playoff bubble, there, you know, Cardinals fans are wanting to see them go on a losing streak, and the fact that they 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 almost lost to Tennessee, and you looked at the injury report, you know, all the players that were oh, out. Man. Dude, know? I I do a pick 'em game with my listeners, and. Um, you can change your picks right up until about five minutes before kickoff. So when all the inactive lists came out, I'm looking at it, and the inactive list, like the top two names on that list were C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson Jr. I was like, well, I'm going with Tennessee. Uh, You know, they had that big win over Miami. They're at home. They're wearing the Oiler uniforms. You know, let's go ahead and 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 flip flop from ten, from Houston to Tennessee, and then the friggin' Texans win the game. It's like I can't win, man. So it was uh, <laughs> it's been an up and down year for me in the pick'em game. It's been really frustrating. But what are you gonna do? But yeah, it's like I saw, and those weren't the only household names on that list as far as the inactive. But it was Nico C.J. Collins, Str- I yeah. think. Nico Collins, Will Anderson Jr., yep. C.J. Stroud. Those are like three of their five best players. They're not playing. This game, it's on the road where they're terrible this season, and then they go ahead and they win. It's like, I I give up, I give up. So, yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 been an interesting year watching the Cardinals. You know, where they they, they have this scrappy team that won't go away, and then finally, you know, for lack of a better phrase, reality sets in at the end of the game, and talent takes over, whatever you want to call it, and. The, the the games that they've stolen in the last few weeks with the you know beating the Falcons that uh, you know basically just handing it to the to the Steelers uh, in that game it really does so show some promise uh, for for next season you add some pieces here and there you might really have something on your hands is that kind of the consensus with the Cardinal fan base because you had to know that this was not going to be a, a fun year for you guys. Yeah, I think most fans are looking at that way. There, there's still there are some that are more critical uh, and maybe even cynical, depending on your perspective. Um, you know, and I, you know, I in terms of the defense, you know, that you look look at the players they have on the defensive line. You know, other than Zayvon Collins and their two safeties, there's just a lot of young players or players who are starting, who should at best be backups or rotational players. So the defense isn't real surprising. The offense, I think there's more frustration with the fact that Kyler Murray hasn't performed, you know, more like what we saw when he was, you know, uh, on, on that, that run where he was an MVP candidate. Right. Um, But, you know, I do think most fans look at it like, there's some, you know, that w- what I've talked about in terms of they're getting the young players, uh, some they're installing the system. Uh, McBride's emerging, and next year when they add some talent, both in the draft free agency, they're going to kind of go from there. And well, you know, with, with Kyler Murray, one of the things I've observed that I want to kind of mention, like his 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 performances have not been stellar. You know, he hasn't filled up the box score. You know, he hasn't thrown for more than uh, 300 yards. In fact, 256 yards against Los Angeles was the most yards he's thrown since he's been back. Um, you know, he's he's had a couple of efficient games, but there's something I, I, I've observed 
in, in, sort of a process thing. And other people have, have that who at least have commented in my videos and, and stuff have had said that they've, they've noticed the same thing. He's, it seems like he is intentionally staying in the pocket more trying to kind of get acclimated to this new offense. You know, the, in the past, obviously it was uh, the air raid sort of a spread type offense that he was in, that he's played in forever, very different offense. Now they bring in a sort of a wide zone with some West coast passing concepts. And it's a very different kind of offense. Now they are keeping him in the gun more than I, people thought he, they would he's he's been under center some but not as much as people thought but it's still a, a different offense than what he's played in before and there's been a number of plays where in the past you just expected Kyler Murray to hit the eject button and kind of bounce out the back you know when the pressure comes just roll out back and scramble and, and try to find something where instead what I've seen is he's kind of stuck there in the pocket try to step up a little bit taking a few sacks Right. And sometimes he's been able to scramble, but, but, but a number of plays where you'd expect him to have scrambled in the past, he kind of hung in there. And I think he's tr- doing something intentionally to try to acclimate to this offense and not just be the hero ball guy. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and trying to make the, make the throws and find the open guy and make the reads. And he's struggling a little bit with it. And, you know, he, again, he's coming back from an injury, having been out for quite a bit playing in an offense. He's never played in before. So that's going to happen. Um, but to me, as someone who kind of believes in process over results, right? you know, if you have the right process, you'll get the results, but mm-hmm. results, results can be flaky. You can have good results just by getting dumb luck. Uh, see Dobbs, Josh, right. right. Uh, you know, uh, you know, long-term though, the process, he, he, and dumb luck's maybe not the right word, but he comes in, plays well for a while. And then overall long-term, it doesn't work out. You need to look at the process. And I think with Murray, the process is they're not, focusing on whether he can throw for 300 yards and get three touchdowns doing what he's always done the past hero ball, because that's not sustainable necessarily What the processes he's trying to play within the offense. And it's going to be kind of a work in progress and a learning curve. But if he continues to do that through this season, they play, you know, lean into the run game more, do more bootleg stuff with him. And that's been effective when they've done that. Going into next year, I think when he's got that down and they've got more talent and the defense is better. I mean, if you look at it, this team, if they just had a decent defense, a lot of those games that they lost would they you know, they put enough enough points to win. Yeah. Right. So I, I think there's a I think there's something to be optimistic about in terms of going to next year if they stick with that process. Well, you know what's funny, man, is you sound like I did last year. Because, I mean, it was the strangest 3-14 and season I've ever been witness to in my entire life. Because we as Bear fans knew that this was likely, even though Ryan Pohl's like, no, we want to win. We absolutely want to win. That's what we expect to do. We all knew we were going to take our lumps this year. Ryan Pace, our previous general manager, left the cupboard bare. Only five draft picks, only about $30 million in cap space. So the Bears weren't able to do much of anything with Ryan Poles coming in. We took all of our lumps with the dead cap uh, and everything, and actually we're still finishing that off this year to, like, you know, we're going to have a lot of space next season uh, and whatnot. And then we, like you just mentioned, 
if we had a decent defense, who knows how that season turns out for us because we went on a stretch for about five or six games where the Bears averaged 30 points a game and we lost all but one. <laughs> so, you know, it's a defense just rolled over for just about anybody that came into town. Justin Fields is an eyelash away from setting the single-season rushing record for uh, a quarterback, so he's super electric and, and all that kind of stuff. And then at the end of the season – we get a gift from our old coach in Lovey Smith in Houston, and they win against the Colts and give us the number one pick. And, you know, what happens this year or in that offseason uh, happens. But it was just like when I got done with the year, it was like this was the wildest season I've ever been through because we went through 3-14. and 14. We lost our last 10 games of the season. We gave up more than 25 points a game in every one of those games, and somehow I didn't want to throw myself off a tall building when it was all over. You know, it's like we were all looking forward to 2023 the whole time, but even still, 3-14 and 14 season, that is gut-wrenching. I mean, and it's it sounds like Cardinal fans kind of wrap their head around the idea that this is not going to go great, and we're looking forward to 2024. We've got extra picks, we got cap space and everything. We just got to get through this season and then, you know, maybe not so much like uh, Justin Fields was keeping things exciting, but the fact that you guys were fighting in these games and everything, at least making the games worth watching to get through the, uh, the season, has, has made it a little bit more tolerable to get through, I would assume. Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I mean, going into the season, just about every fan I, I heard from and interacted with, um, all had realistic expectations. This this was going to be a rough season. At best, maybe we would exceed expectations and win six or seven games, uh, you know. But that was kind of a high end sort of result. Um, people knew what was going on, and you know, in my in my live streams and my my shows, the thing I kind of preached was, okay, this is that rebuild year. There's different things to enjoy. You know, we're not going to have the wins to enjoy. Let's watch the young players develop. Let's see who emerges, right? Let's see who becomes a player for this team because someone's going to become a player. Now that person ended up being Trey McBride, right? And <laughs> really that that's, that's the big, the big story there. Um, and there's a couple other players. Like I mentioned, Dante still six round pick who's, who's played solid football. No one really, you know, uh, knows him outside of Arizona, but he's been a solid rotational piece on the defensive line. Right. There's been guys like that. that have been fun to watch, um, but the wins aren't there. And I think, you know, expectate your expectation sets, managing the expectations can make it a lot more bearable because the season where everything fell apart that last season for, Cliff Kingsbury, sure. that was unbearable, right? right? Because yeah. we had been to the playoffs the year before, and there were, although there were some concerns, there were expectations it was going to be better than it was, right? Was it four wins or whatever it ended up being? Um, so that was much less bearable, whereas this, yeah, we knew it'd be like this. Yeah. We're, we're excited about our GM. We're excited about all that draft capital, Sure. 2024, you know, yeah. bring it on. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. But imagine if you were a Patriots fan Oof. right now. I mean, you, I know you weren't expecting to go back to the playoffs or win the Super Bowl or anything, but they've just been dreadful uh, this season, you know, to, and it's just been, and, and 
they weren't expecting things to go great. Like they were expecting like eight wins or something like that. And that was never going to happen. Not once you saw this team start to play. So they've just been awful all season uh, and everything. And, and, and they weren't expecting to be this bad. So, I mean, imagine what a season like that would be versus like, you know what? We need to temper expectations. It's not going to be great. We need to focus on the positive and, you know, whatever we can to kind of get through the year because we know we're playing for next season uh, kind of thing. You know, we went through that last year. You guys are going through that now. Uh, it's it's better to do that than it is to go out thinking, 17-0, baby, 17-0, you know. <laughs> no matter what, you're rooting for them to go undefeated and you're disappointed if they don't. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned the Patriots. That's I will say that has surprised me. Uh, I was always kind of a person who believed that, you know, Bill Belichick was such a great coach uh, that he's never going to be that bad or have that bad of a team, you know, even without a good quarterback. I, and, you know, I know Tom Brady clearly, you know, was a huge part of what they did, but there were times where Tom Brady was injured and they got good play out of, you know, quarterbacks who were not named Tom Brady. Yeah. So I, I thought there was a high floor, you know, for, for any Belichick coach team. And that basement just fell out. The floor fell out of that house. I don't, I don't yeah. know what's going on there. Well, um, I have a theory yeah. on that. Okay. And it's not so much that, that Belichick has failed as a coach, where, where Belichick's failure was as their general manager. Mm-hmm. They have not drafted well, you know, heading into the final years of Brady, and they're still struggling to uh you know to put that together as far as bringing in uh t- young talent to kind of enrich what because they were much better at that uh before uh you know especially during the uh the last 10 years uh with Brady because they just kept kind of reloading and they would find these guys out of nowhere that would come in and have this either either singular great game or this stretch of like four or five games then you never hear from him again because he got replaced by somebody else who also did the same thing. He just kept finding <clears throat> these players. And the last few years, you know, from the failed Cam Newton experiment to Mac Jones not working out and all that kind of stuff, they've not drafted well uh, and everything. And it's, you know, they've been depleted talent-wise. The the uh, the coffers weren't as deep as they used to be uh, for the Patriots, where the next man, man, next man up thing would, would work for them. Not anymore because the first guy's not that great and the second guy's even worse. So I'm going to put on two hats right now. Okay. I'm putting on my Homer hat first, okay? Yeah. And then I'm getting my tinfoil hat and putting it on top, <laughs> okay? My conspiracy tinfoil hat. Ready for this? I'm ready. Hit me with it. You know, the Arizona Cardinals general manager, Monty Austin, for was uh, the was in the scouting department and was the director of college scouting and left the Patriots in 2019 mm. for the for the Titans, had a couple years there and then for Arizona Cardinals. So maybe and listen, he nailed that last draft. Maybe they're missing him. You mentioned the last couple of years have been rough. Yeah, they used to draft well. Maybe we got maybe we got the golden goose out of that 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 personnel department. Maybe I'm just saying. Maybe that's not a bad theory. It's not a bad theory because <laughs> I like it. What's not there that was before? You know, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's not just Tom Brady. It's the guy that was, uh, you know, being the scout and, and pointing the pointing the shine in the spotlight. Hey, we need to draft this guy uh, and bring him in. And there you go. So. Yeah. So, but I think that's where the failure is more because 
I don't think we've seen the last of Belichick with with Brandon Staley getting fired. The rumors about him going to the Chargers and having uh, you know Herbert and everything to work with that could be interesting if that happens. But yeah, otherwise, I think his time in New England is over. With it's time to start over uh, there because they're definitely in the spot where they've all. It seems like they've already torn it down. Now it's time to build it back up, and you want to do that with new people. So we'll see how that uh, how that all shakes out. So. Wrapping things up here, Joe, thanks so much uh, for coming in uh, and talking to us uh, about this game. How do you see Sunday uh, going down? This is such an unpredictable game for me, right? Mm -hmm. Like high range of potential outcomes because we talked about how the Cardinals have, you know, had games where against the Cowboys and, and, and Pittsburgh where they just kind of really handed it to them and then games against you know, the Browns <laughs> where they got it handed to them and the, and, you know, and against, you know, the Rams and I mean, the 49ers, you expect that. And then, you know, the bears are another team that themselves are just, you know, can, you know, have one week where they look really impressive and they, you know, they, they beat the lions 28 to 13. Right. You know, but then lose to the Browns. Right. You know, yeah. um, you know, so the, these are two teams that are kind of, mercurial kind of hard to predict um you know so i i i you know the 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 bears are a better team right now in terms of the win-loss record and in terms of you know overall the the play of the talent um and i'm your defense is better than ours maybe that's a low bar but it's still better than ours uh so i you know i think it's probably going to be a closer game i think and I think, you know, like like a lot of the games we've been in with the Bears probably coming out on top. But, I mean, are, are you going to be surprised if the Cardinals win this one? Yes and no. I mean, mm-hmm. it's because it's been that kind of year for the Bears. Yeah. You know, it, it's been that season where every time I have some kind of hope or any time that I try to trust the team, they let me down. Like this past mm-hmm. Sunday, for instance, you know, with uh, – with the way that Flacco and the Browns played last week, I really thought the Bears had a chance, especially with the way the defense has been getting after it and forcing turnovers and giving the offense extra chances, scoring 28 points against the Lions the week before. I thought we'd be able to put it together and beat the Browns. And for the first three quarters of the game, I was right. And then the fourth quarter happened because we haven't played a 60-minute game all season. We fail in the fourth quarter. For the third time this year, we dropped a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. So, you know, we're a five and nine team. We should be eight and six because Hmm. the probability like that win probability thing was in the Hmm. high nineties for all three of those games that we ended up losing, you know, the odds of losing all three of those games. I saw a meme today was point zero 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 three percent. Ouch. That's the probability that you lose all three of those games. And we did that magnificently uh, in them. So yeah, it's uh I I I I I would expect the Bears to win. It's at home. I don't think weather's going to be an issue. Looking at a high of in the in the upper forties and everything, I was kind of hoping this this dome home uh, desert team would be coming into flurries and five inches of snow or or something like that. That's just absolutely going to take them out of the game. But uh, no such luck. It's going to be in the forties. So rather pleasant December day. Uh, in Chicago when you guys uh, come into town. So it doesn't look like weather is going to be a factor uh, in it. So it's like I'm I'm probably picking the Bears. I'm leery to do so 
And in my pick'em game, we're doing confidence, so the points will probably be low as far as my confidence and how how much I think the Bears are going to win uh, on Sunday. So we'll see. But if the defense can keep doing what it's doing, forcing the turnovers, then I like our odds uh, a lot more. It's just that when you get to the point where you're expecting it, that's when they don't. So, you know, I, that's I, that's my biggest issues with the team is that I just can't I can't trust them one way uh, or the other. So, because they've won the games I thought they'd lose, they'd lose the games I thought they'd win, and that's the kind of year it's been here in Chicago. Yeah, uh, let me ask you how how are the Bears against the run? Uh, number one in the league. All right, that's that. The run game is what we do best on offense. So that's okay. going to be interesting to see who, you know, the immovable object and the irresistible force, right, right which comes out on that. Uh, I wonder, just speculating, if that's going, whoever kind of best that, if that's going to be a key factor. Well, in that was going to be my question for you is like, what, do, yeah. how, how well do the Cardinals play against the, how play against the run? So defensively, we're not great against the run. Mm. No, we, we run the ball well. Right. <laughs> we don't defensively. We don't do really anything particularly well. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Karen Williams from the the Rams. His two games against the Cardinals were just um, uh, he would he would be league MVP if he played <laughs> seventeen games against the Cardinals. Right. Um, so yeah. Um. So the the run the run game on offense is our strength, but defensively you're gonna probably well you're, you're gonna you're gonna have well it's tough though because you know sometimes they come in they kind of you know you know hold a team down to to you know uh, fewer than twenty points, but um, I yeah I think I think you're gonna I think you're gonna find DJ Moore is gonna have a good game. Our cornerbacks are gonna have been struggling. Um, I think. Uh, Justin Fields is going to be able to run around on us quite a bit. Okay. All right. Well, from your lips to God's ears, it'd be a very Merry Christmas <laughs> for me if that could happen. That would be nice. But uh, we'll see how it all unfolds on Sunday. Thanks so much uh, for coming in and talking to us. Where can we uh, Where can we catch up with you? What's you? Where can we find your content? Yeah, thanks for having me. It, it, it's been great. Um, you can find me on Twitter at jokomo 13 jokomo13. Uh, main place to find me, though, is on YouTube. Uh, just look up the Cardinal Rule, uh, Arizona Cardinals uh, content there. That's my main platform. All right. Joe, thanks so much uh, for uh, talking to us. Good luck on Sunday, and we'll see you again real soon. Absolutely. Thanks. As always, I want to thank my guest, Joseph Como, from the Cardinal Rule Podcast for joining us to help preview this uh, ball game between the Bears and the Cardinals on Sunday. And um, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's an interesting uh, situation, but, you know, with this game, the Bears still have very faint playoff hopes, and uh, I won't bore you with the details. Basically, everybody needs to lose, and the Bears need to keep winning uh, is pretty much how it all lays out. So, and the one thing we haven't been able to trust the Bears to do is be consistent and win uh, this season. They're consistently inconsistent and uh, losing a lot more than winning, hence the 5-9 and nine, uh, record. But 
We'll see how it unfolds on on Sunday. You know, the the Cardinals are probably one of those fan bases that would probably, you know, low key be rooting for Arizona to lose so, to make sure that they get that that number two number because I think they're number three and the Patriots are number two. So they'd be rooting for the Patriots on Sunday while uh, you know rooting against themselves uh, in Chicago so that they get to number two to you know to either be there to trade down with somebody. Um, which is a scenario that I haven't really seen many people entertain. Everyone's always talking about the Bears uh, trading one way uh, or the other. But uh, Austin Fort, the, the general manager for the Cardinals, was doing a lot of deals uh, on draft day, bouncing up and down the board and you know made that deal with Houston to get their number one and I think their number two uh, in you know next season so they could draft Will Anderson at number three and uh, and all that kind of stuff. So they've got uh, they got money to play with as far as draft picks uh, are concerned, and uh, it's not out the realm of possibility since they don't need a quarterback that they wouldn't trade out of that spot because as much as nobody wants to miss out on Marvin Harrison Jr., he's not the only quality receiver in the draft. There are at least two that I can think of off the top of my head that would be there later on in the first round that uh, would make uh, would make awesome pros as well. So, but that's a discussion for further down the road. Let's talk about these keys to the game. Get this thing uh, wrapped up. First one, uh, as we heard our friend Joe uh, mention, Arizona's not very good against the run, and uh, that's one of the things that we do well uh, on offense. We don't do many things good on offense, but running the football is one of them. But here's the caveat: give the ball to Roshan Johnson. I want him to be the feature back this week. All the, you know, all due respect, nothing against uh, Deontay Foreman or uh, Khalil Herbert, but I mean, if you want to look at it in a in an isolated situation, look at the Cleveland game. Deontay Foreman six carries for six minus six yards, negative six yards on six carries on Sunday. Uh, Khalil Herbert might have had like eighteen or nineteen yards on eight carries or something. I don't even know if it was that much. I think it was like 11 carries for 19 yards or something crazy like that. And Roshan Johnson had 36 yards on five carries. Seven yards a carry. And, okay. And it, was, it wasn't like he had a 35-yard run and then the rest of his runs were for like negative yardage or one yard or something like that. He was consistently putting together decent chunks of, of yardage when he ran the football. So I would love to see what Roshan Johnson would be able to do with – 15, 20 carries in a game. I would like to see that. Not to mention all the design runs with Justin Fields and the things that we could do with that uh, and everything. I would really like to never, ever see another uh, jet sweep with a receiver, whether it's, I don't give a damn if it's Valus Jones or Tyler Scott. I don't care who it is. I don't want to see it ever again. I don't. You know, we got lucky with the Valus Jones run, and then we didn't do it ever again. And the next time that we did, we did it with Tyler Scott. (sighs) Fine. And we lost four yards on third and one, had to punt. So, great. So, run the football with Fields. Run the football with Roshan Johnson. And, of course, sprinkle in Foreman and Khalil Herbert. Let's take advantage of the running back room that we have. But I want Roshan to be the guy, first guy off the bench, first guy carrying the football, you know, the, the one who gets thought of first when we're running the ball on Sunday. I would love to see what a 15-carry, 20-carry game would look like for Roshan Johnson, especially against the team that's lousy against the run. So I would love to see that. Key number two, 
Uh, much like you would with an option team, you want to maintain your assignments on defense. And here's why. Kyler Murray loves to run. Uh, loves to play hero ball, street ball, whatever you want to call it. And we got to make sure that you don't abandon your assignment when he breaks the pocket. Because this is a guy that will run back there for 10, 12 seconds and then find a guy that's open because, hey, Somebody got greedy and wanted to come after the quarterback, leaving his guy alone, therefore wide open for a game. Like, you could definitely see that happening on, like, a third and 18 or something crazy like that where Murray's running for his life for a half hour and then happens to find Trey McBride wide open in the middle of the field because somebody thought it would be a good idea to leave him alone while they thought they'd be the one to be able to catch Kyler Murray. So maintain your assignments, whether it's zone, whether it's man, do not abandon your post. Stay where you are. Maintain the assignment so that you're home, so you're where you need to be when somebody comes in your area. Don't be tempted. Let the let the linemen, let the rushers do that, whether it's, whether it's the four that we got coming, maybe the five or sixth guy that's in on the blitz. Let them handle it. You stay where you're at. You take care of your assignment so that you aren't the one on film on Monday having to explain why it is you aren't where you're supposed to be. So let's do that. Don't let Kyler Murray and the circus that he's going to bring to town beat us on Sunday. And then finally, easier said than done, but let's try to get out in front early uh, against these Cardinals. Jonathan Cooper has his guys showing up to play. They aren't the most experienced or talented group, and if we can get out in front early and play with the lead, we could lead the Cardinals into deep waters they don't want to be in. You know, trying to play from behind uh, or trying to come from behind against the defense like ours. Give our defense the way that we've been playing the last five, six weeks. Give us the lead. Watch it turn into a feeding frenzy. You know, I absolutely believe that. So, you know, try and get out in front early, which basically means finish the drives. Get in the end zone run the football get in the end zone finish it you know we're up 14 and nothing in the first quarter I'm not saying that we should hit cruise control because apparently that's how we lost the game against the Browns on Sunday according to Darno Mooney he was saying that uh he didn't like how in the third quarter when we went up 17 to uh 17 to 7 that uh it seemed like we got complacent and we're just kind of happy that we were winning uh, kind of thing, which speaks a lot to the culture that uh, is happening uh, in Chicago right now, where we're you know we're very much in a just happy to be here type of mentality uh, when there's still a job to be done. And in the fourth quarter, when things started to turn against us, you know, Mooney was saying is like you got to ramp it back up, and that's hard to do when you've already started to uh, you know level down, uh, if you will, so or downshift, I guess would be the better uh, phrase. So. You want to stay on them. You want to get on them. Stay on them. You know, put your foot on it, in it, through it, and let's finish the game and get out in front of these, uh, in front of this young, experienced, uh, not as talented group that the Cardinals have. But they're going to fight us for sure. So it would be better if we're fi- if they're fighting us while we're up two, three scores, rather than you know keeping it tight and letting them beat us like the Falcons did a couple of weeks ago or stumbling our way to a home loss like they did uh, against the Steelers uh, a couple of weeks ago. You know, 2-10, and ten, they're going on the road against a team that's 7-5, and five, and they beat the brakes off them. They won that game 24-10. to 10. 
The game was never really close. Unbelievable. So let's not be the Steelers in this one. Let's go out and, and put it on them, leave it on them, and, uh, you know, send them back home uh, to the desert with a, uh, you know, lump of coal in their stocking, if you will. So how about we do that? So there you have it, guys. Run the football. Give it to Roshan because the Cardinals can't defend it, and I'd love to see what a Roshan 15-game carry would look like. Let's maintain our assignments on defense, uh, you know, just so we don't get beat by someone who's abandoned their post and there's that receiver you were supposed to be covering, but you thought you'd be the one to run Kyler Murray down, and instead we get caught with our pants down, and they get 18 yards on third and 13 because of you. And then finally, let's get out in front early, and, uh, you know, because they, they won't be able to play from behind. So there it is. That's going to do it for the Week 16 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Come back on Monday, I think. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm going to do my best because I'm not sure what I'm doing Sunday night, which is thank Christmas Eve. I know that uh, I'm going to my sister's and my mom's to celebrate the holiday. Therefore, I'll be watching the game there. But um, I don't know if I'm even going to be doing knee-jerk reactions, to be completely honest with you. Um, you know, I've kind of played in my head with the idea of uh, going old school and recording the show in the car on the way home, which should be interesting, especially in Chicagoland traffic. But I've thought about doing that and then just dropping it as like one big, one big segment uh, to, to release on uh, Christmas morning as my gift to you. Uh, but we'll see. We will see. So keep your eyes on the social media on Sunday night slash Monday morning and uh, see how it all uh, turns out. Either way, enjoy your holidays, everybody. Thank you very much for being my fan base and listening to my show and giving me a reason to keep doing this after all these uh, all these years. You know, There aren't many of you, but you're all extremely supportive, and I'm grateful for you all. So thanks so much for that. We'll talk to you on Monday. And until then, my name is Larry D., and this has been Bear Stock Underground.